been, uh, we're finishing up actually today, going to finish up a series called The Life of Jesus. And if you've been following this series, you would know, and if not your first time hearing about this particular message series we're in, we've been, just been looking at the life of Jesus as he walked the earth, not before his birth in Bethlehem and not after his ascension, but that time that he walked the earth, because uh, the Bible says in Peter uh, that he uh, was an example for us when he walked the earth. And we know that Jesus walked the earth as a man. He didn't walk the earth as a deity, as God, though he had perfect blood. But when he walked the earth, he walked the earth as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, which means that everything that Jesus did when he walked the earth, we can also do. We can also do. Come on, somebody. Uh, if we are humans filled with God's spirit, that's how Jesus was an example, because if Jesus would have come as God himself and not wrapped himself in flesh, then he could, we wouldn't be an example for us. We couldn't do that. Amen. We're not deities. All right. And so uh, we were just thankful that he was an example. And so We've talked about the loving life of Jesus, the incorruptible life of Jesus. We've talked about the peaceful life of Jesus. Today, we want to culminate this series for a few moments talking about the forgiving life of Jesus. The forgiving life of Jesus. Can I just tell you something this morning? Uh, I think the Lord wants you to know that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you have done, no matter what someone has said about you or revealed about you, no matter how bad it's gotten, no matter how low the valley has been uh, that you have, have gone to, uh, no matter what, he has paid it all. He's paid for everything. And this morning, Jesus sees you as a conqueror. He sees you as more than a conqueror. He sees you as a victor. He sees you as the head and not the tail. Now, many of us would say, all right, well, Brother Mike, you know, I'm glad that Jesus sees me that way. You know, your Jesus sees me that way. But how can I see myself that way? I'm still in this valley. See, what we don't realize, folks, is that when you give your life to the Lord, when you've given your life to the Lord, when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're already an eternal being. You're already victorious. Maybe you're not walking like it, uh, but it's not on God. <laughs> it's on you and I. Maybe you and I are not walking like the people we are. I'm reminded, Brother Jeff, and I know we've heard this story several times, but I'm reminded of a story your father told, and it really uh, enlightened me to some things. It was a Wednesday night, probably 20 years ago. Brother Clarence told this story, and many of you have heard it, of a man who won a ticket to a cruise ship. You know this story, some of you, right? You know it, Jody. And uh, he won this ticket to this cruise ship, and so he said, wow, I, I'm, I'm poor, I don't have any money, but I won a ticket, so I guess I'll go on the cruise. I mean, I can't do all the things that other people do because I don't have any money. I just have the ticket. So he said, but it's at least worth getting on the ship and riding around out on the ocean. So he got on the cruise, gave the man his ticket and got, went to his cabin and 
rested there in his cabin and he was thinking, well, I'm not going to go out there, you know, and he brought his own little snacks and food, what he could put together uh, because he didn't have any money to buy food and, and, and drinks and all of those kind of things and participate in all of that. So he said, I'll just, I'm just going to enjoy myself in my cabin, you know, the whole, uh, you know, five days, four nights cruise. And uh, so he did, that's what he did. And then when he went to get off the boat, you know, one of the one of the folks uh, greeting him uh, off of the boat said, hey, you know what? We didn't see you the whole cruise. I didn't see you around out of all the people on the boat. Uh, I, I forgot you were on it. He said, well, I just stayed in my cabin. So well, why did you stay in your cabin on this cruise? All of this stuff that we have. And the man said, well, you know, I didn't. I won this ticket and I didn't really have any money to do all the things that everyone else did. And the man said, listen, the ticket that you won gives you access to everything on this boat. It's all inclusive, except for the alcoholic drinks. Come on now. But, you know, you know, they're going to make some money off of something. But it's all inclusive. You know, all of it, the shuffleboard, the, you know, the putt-putt, uh, you know, basking in the sun, all of the, the food, you know, midnight you can go get, uh, you know, something that's a pizza at the pizza bar, uh, whatever it, it is. And he said, it's all inclusive. So the man missed out. Uh, he had the ticket, yet he still missed out because he didn't realize all that that ticket meant. Can I tell you this morning, if you have Jesus, you have the ticket to a victorious life, to an overcoming life. You have a ticket to overcome debt. You have a ticket to healing. You have a ticket to deliverance. You have a ticket to success and victory. You have a ticket to the abundant life that Jesus died for you. Uh, but some of us just don't realize that we have that ticket. And the way to access it is by your faith, by speaking the word of God and following the precepts that Jesus laid out for us. And it began at the cross. It began at the cross of Christ. This is what kicked off this mindset for us. See, Christ's death was called, what, the passion? The passion of the Christ. And it simply means that he suffered. <clears throat> Excuse me. He suffered. It was unforgettable. It was a unique suffering, incomparable. No one ever suffered the way Jesus suffered. I mean, you've gone through some things in your life. I understand it. And you may say, listen, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. <laughs> nobody knows but Jesus. You might be right, but he does know it. <laughs> and he knows worse. Imagine this. Imagine all of the sin of the world. How many people are in the world today? Eight billion people, close to eight billion people, maybe more in the world. All of those sins, eight billion people would have committed in their lives was on the shoulders of Christ. But not only the eight billion people that live on the earth now, all of the people since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve and Seth and all the way down, all of those people before Noah and all of the people after Noah up to you right here, right now, all of that sin was placed on his shoulder. But not just all of the sin up to right now. I mean, if you're pregnant in here today, the baby that you're about to have any sin that that baby commits in his or her lifetime is already covered by the blood of Christ. Come on, somebody. Sin that isn't even committed yet. Can you? That blows my mind. Sin that isn't even committed yet was already covered by the blood of the cross. That's what the cross means. 
That's what the death of Christ means for you and I. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, come on, who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Isaiah 53.5, you might not be able to keep up with me this morning, but that's okay. Isaiah 53.5 says this, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Now, a transgression is, is that, that really equates to sin. That's something that you actually do. That means you cross the line. When you transgress, uh, you cross the line. You do something you weren't supposed to do. You miss the mark. That's what transgression means. So for every transgression... He was wounded for that. It says he was bruised for our iniquity. Iniquity is kind of like a chink in your armor. Iniquity is inbred. It, 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 David put it this way. He said, I was born into sin and I was shapen in iniquity. When I came into this world, I was already born into a fallen body. So that's kind of what iniquity is. Iniquity are those things that you commit. Not, they, they are things that, those, the sins that you commit because you're a sinner. See, what you've got to understand is you're not a sinner because you sin. It's not like, oh, you're a regular person. You commit a sin. Okay, now you're a sinner. No, 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 no. You sin. You sin because you're already a sinner. <clears throat> it's who you are until Jesus gets a hold of you. Oh, but when he does, come on, somebody. It's who we are in this flesh until Jesus gets a hold of us. And so that's iniquity. You can't help it without, without him. There is no salvation. Come on. And, and so uh, the Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. Those are iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Chastisement for our peace, another version puts it, was upon him. You can have perfect peace in your life. Jesus walked on water. Everybody knows the story. You don't have to be a churched person to hear the story of Jesus walking on water. You've at least heard it as a cliche. Oh, you walk on water now? You know, that comes from the Bible. Jesus walked on water. But when he walked on water, it was during a storm. A storm that was so bad that the disciples were afraid that he had to say, do not be afraid. It is I. It is I. So that's how bad the storm was. So during the storm, he walked on water. That's the kind of peace that Jesus brings. That's the kind of peace that his chastisement brought us. The stripes that he took, come on, the chastisement that he took gives us that kind of a peace. No matter what's going on around you, COVID, economic troubles, war, all of that, we have a peace that we can walk right through it. <clears throat> and then the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Can I, can I just say something to you this morning? I know it's Easter Sunday morning, and you're looking nice. I even wore a tie today. Come on. You know, you're looking nice, and you know we're all pleasant, and we're going to go out and get something to eat, you know, after this. And, uh, you know, it's just it's a nice day. It's beautiful outside. The sun is shining. We're kind and loving each other. You know, family is here. But can I just tell you this morning uh, that we need to just take the Bible for what it says. 
I know you want to get into the Greek and the Hebrew, and I understand you want to talk about types and shadows, and I know you want to get into eschatology, and you, you, you want to talk about so many things, you theologians out there, but there are just some things in the Bible where it just means what it says. And this is one of those things. By his stripes, we are healed. Peter, looking back, put it this way, 1 Peter 2.24, he said, and by his stripes, we were healed. We were healed. It is Jesus' will that you are healed. It is his will. It is his will. It, in case you're wondering, it is his will. I'm not making it up. I'm not. It's, it's in the word. Philippians 2.8 says this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross even the death of the cross. What does that do for Jesus? Well, when it's all over, Revelation 5, 9 says this. It says they sang a new song saying, you are worthy. And I don't want to add to the word, uh, but I would, I would go as far as to say, you alone are worthy. You, you and only you are worthy to take the scroll, open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. I don't care where you come from or what you're going through. God sent Jesus to die for you. Out of all of the miracles that God has done throughout the history of time, some of you know all of them, some of you know a few of them, some of you may not know, but one or two. But you know, God stopped time. He stopped time. And it shouldn't be so amazing to us. He created time. How, how about that for baking your noodle? There was no such thing as time. We don't understand that. He created time for us. And so he stopped it so Joshua could win a war, so his people could win a war. He split the Red Sea. This wasn't just Lake Monroe. This wasn't just a little puddle out there. This was the Red Sea. He split it and so his people could walk through. God's done some miraculous things, but out of all of the things that he's done, perhaps the most miraculous thing that he's ever done is save someone like you and me and welcome us into his family out of all the things that he's done. Here's some facts from scripture about you and I. Let me just throw this at you real quick. Here's some facts from scripture about you and I. First of all, we're going to have to understand this, that humans, when I say man, I don't mean males. I've said that so just males. I mean man, human. Humans sinned and must die. Human sinned and must die. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. You remember this? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. You shall die. That's the sentence. The wages of sin is death. It is death. So human sinned and must die. Humans are essentially sinful, and therefore what that does is it makes us distant from God. It separates us from God. It's number two. We, we're, we're sinful. Remember I talked about that iniquity? It's in us. So you're born separated from God. You can't just be born and be a good person and go to heaven. I'm sorry to tell you that this morning. Again, I know it's a nice day, and I want to tell you lovely things. But there is a lovely thing we're getting to. Come on. 
We're getting to the most lovely thing. But to understand the lovely thing, you have to understand the, 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 the bad thing. And the bad thing is we're separated from God. We're separated from him when we're born into this world. And sin is not just judged by someone that doesn't know what they're talking about. Sin is judged by a righteous God, one who has never sinned. The only one who's qualified to judge sin is God. You or I can't even judge sin. I can see you do some things and maybe that's wrong. And I can even quote some scripture and say, man, you should have done it this way or done it that way. That's not good. But I can't really judge you. How can I judge you when I've done some of the same things? How can I judge you? No, but God judges sin. God is the only one that can judge sin. And because God is righteous, he can't tolerate sin. He's got to expose it. Here's what you have to understand about God and sin. God is not out to get you. You know, a lot of people think God is this, this strange spirit being. He's a father and he's from the Old Testament. And he has this old gray white beard and he's waiting for us to do something wrong so that he can say, see, you did something wrong. Now you must be punished. That's not the God that we serve. But what you have to understand is sin can't be in God's presence. So he has to expose it. And by exposing it, it makes you better. He's getting rid of the thing that's holding you down. And you don't even see it. That's why God exposes it. Not to embarrass you, but that you can draw nigh unto him. Uh, to be right with God, humans need an advocate. We, we can't do it ourselves. We need someone to stand in the gap. And to redeem man, God had to become man. Because another man could die, but all, none of us could fill the job. God said, listen, God, God can't, God, I can't do it for you as a deity. I can't do it for you. But, uh, but a man has to die. But none of you are worthy. So I'll have to put myself in a body. I'll have to subject myself to my own creation that I might save them and redeem them. So to redeem man, God became man. And then also Christ's death on the cross atoned for man's sin and it appeased his wrath. He said, stop, stop the wrath, Lord. Stop the wrath, Father. Stop the wrath. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then we have to understand, now watch this. This will blow your mind. The cross was planned in heaven before sin entered the world. Before you had a chance to sin. You weren't even here. You didn't even have an opportunity to commit a sin. God already planned the cross. How about that? He already planned a way for you to be redeemed before you even sin. We're talking about Jesus. Come on, somebody. We're not talking about Buddha. We're not talking about Harry Krishna. We're not talking about whatever other religions. Come on. I'm, now, listen, I know it might offend some people, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm following Jesus because he's the only one that became man. He's the only one that died on the cross for me. He doesn't show me the way, he is the way. He said, come on, follow me. I am the way. Christ's death is the only death that reconciles God to man and pays for the penalty of sin. So now, Brother Mike, okay, that's great. You've told us all of these facts. It's, it's terrible out there. We've sinned and we're separated from God and now, what can we do? Well, we have to understand the power of the cross. This is where the cross comes into play. 
Now we need to understand the power of the cross. And now understanding all of those things, maybe we could appreciate the power of the cross. Maybe we could appreciate it. What does the cross do? First of all, the cross provides redemption for me. You know what redemption is? Redemption is to buy back. Redemption means I'm purchasing it back for a price. I'm purchasing it back, okay? Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Something you couldn't do. You might feel guilty. You might feel condemned. You might feel like, I feel bad because I did this thing. Guess what? Nothing you can do. All you can do is accept him. He's already done it. He's already, he said, I'm going to purify you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I know you did that thing. I know you lied on the thing. I know you uh, stole from the thing. I know you had that bad attitude. I know you did this. I know you did that. But guess what? I'm going to purify you. Just accept me. Just believe in me. Confess me with your mouth. Let me purify you. Because when I purify you, you'll come out as pure gold. Come on, somebody. The cross provides a ransom for me. That is the actual price that's paid. To, to redeem means to pay a price. The ransom is the price. The ransom and the price was Jesus himself. He said the best that I can do is give myself to buy you back. The cross provides a substitution for me. That means to be put in place of another. Guess what? You deserve it. You deserve the cross because the wages of sin is death. And you might say, I'm a good person. I've never really done much wrong. But guess what? You were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Well, that's not fair. Maybe not. Maybe not. But that's the way it is. It's not fair that it rains on days that you want to go outside and play. What you going to do? (laughs) Just keep the fair. Something up there on 38th Street in Indianapolis or over here at the Monroe County Fairground. That's the fair. All right. For, and God, and you want to know what? I'm so thankful that God is not fair. Because if God is, was fair, I would get what I deserve. But because of his grace, come on somebody, I don't get what I deserve. His mercy endures forever. His mercies are new every morning. And his grace is sufficient for you. Oh, I thank God that he doesn't give me what I deserve. Thank you, Lord, for not being fair. <laughs> thank you for not being fair. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's a substitute for you and me. The cross provides reconciliation to make friends, to make amends. Reconciliation, in this case, watch this now. Reconciliation means we're separate from God. He's here and we're here, but we just don't come together and talk and say, oh, it's good to meet you. Oh, I'm so glad to see you again. No, no, no. You know what reconciliation does? It brings us together. Now we have the same DNA. We have the same DNA. You are pedigree, folks. <laughs> you are part of the kingdom because you have the same DNA. You're not a foreigner. You're not an outsider. But when God reconciled us, he put us together. So now, so much so that now you can't tell God and yourself. We're wrapped up together. That's what reconciliation means. We talked about this word before. The cross provides propitiation for me. That means to appease. That means to please. Again, the wrath of God. It means to render favorable, to offer a gift or sacrifice that I could be in your favor. We're now in the favor of God because of the cross and because of what Jesus did. The cross provides atonement for me. Many of us would know what atonement means, but you know what? 
Atonement doesn't just mean uh, that, that we're forgiven because we gave a sacrifice. Atonement also means to cover. It, it, the, part, of, part of the definition of atonement means it's just covered up. In other words, when, when God, when Christ atones you and I, now when God looks at you, it's not like, yeah, I, I see Brother Al, he, he used to be a sinner, uh, but thank goodness that Jesus died on the cross and now the, that old sinner is now a good part. No, 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 it's not that. It's, oh, Brother Al is perfect. Brother, I, what sin? I never seen any sin. There's no sin. I, I, was there sin? Somebody tell me. Was there? There was no ever any sin. Was there? No. You're perfect. Perfect. You are perfect in His sight. If you accept His righteousness, God doesn't impute sin. He imputes righteousness in you. It's it's too hard to believe. I know some of you might even been thinking, or some of you online are like, "Nah, that's a little bit too good to believe." This is the only thing. Most things in life, I'll tell you. If it's too good to believe, it probably is too good to believe. Come on. But this is too good to believe, and it's absolutely believable because God did it. God did it for you and me. He atoned. The cross provides victory for me. I can overcome. I can have victory in situations. Listen, I, I, I'm going to tell you this now. I can have victory in situations, such victory in situations that hard work won't even get me. Now, I know that rubs some of you the wrong way because I'm all about hard work. That's my son. I tell him, you need to work hard. You need to work and you need to work hard. But you need both. You need to work hard and you also need the favor of God because there are some places that hard work won't even get you into. But the favor of God will get you right in there. It'll get you right in there. You see, let me, listen, let me just take just one more minute. Here's the thing. When, when Adam was in the garden, the first thing that God did, the first thing that he did was give him a job. So it's not like we're not working. He said, tend the garden. He said, tend the garden. You see, but it, but it, but it, wasn't, it wasn't like slavery, all right? It wasn't, it wasn't hard. It was, it was just work. It was work that was good for him. It was work that he loved to do. You ever done something that you know is work and it wears you out, but you love it? Right? You love to do it. It's that kind of work that God gives us. But when we sin now, we work by the sweat of our brow. And, and, it, and it's hard and because of the curse. But guess what? Jesus on the cross redeemed us from the curse of the law. So the work you do now is just wonderful, great work. It's just wonderful, great work. All you have to do is accept Jesus. Accept him. Favor will get you in places. Come on, I'm not talking magic. I'm not talking something that's sloppy. I'm not trying to sell you something. Listen, I'm just telling you what the word says. The favor of God will get you into places that hard work will never get you into. It'll never get you into because some of us think we can work our way into things. But God says, no, it's my favor. And the cross provides healing for us. Our very bodies have been redeemed that we may lay our sickness and infirmities upon him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. It, it begins with faith and belief in God, though. That's where it begins. Revelation 22.1 says, And he showed me a pure water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of the Lamb of God. This is you and I proceeding from the throne, pure as crystal, clear as crystal, a water, life-giving water is what Jesus 
has turned us into. Pure. If that's too hard for you to believe, listen. Jesus is here to tell you this morning to believe it. To believe it. I have turned you into pure gold. And your only job is to believe in me. To confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that I am the Messiah, that I am the only Son of God. Can't have your foot halfway in and halfway out. You can't say there's many roads to God. You can't say there's many roads to God. Sounds intolerant, doesn't it? Especially in this town, I know. Sounds intolerant. But I want to tell you this. Jesus is the only one that stood before everyone and had the audacity. I mean the unmitigated gall to stand up before everybody and say, I I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, man or woman, black, white, Chinese, Mongolian, Russian, no one, young, old, big, little, tall, short, no one comes to the Father except by me. He is the only way. He's the only way. He's the only way. And that might sound harsh to you, but I'm telling you, if you could believe that this morning, you'll have victory like you wouldn't believe in your life. You'll be an overcomer in your life. God will bless you uh, above all that you can ask or think. And I can ask and think a lot of things. But he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Amen.